Welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriela Ariana Campoverde, but you can call me Gabby. Our guest today is Raghu Yarlagada, co-founder and CEO of FalconX. Raghu and Prabhakar Reddy launched the company just three years ago. And today it is valued at $3.75 billion. FalconX is a digital assets brokerage that provides a single account connected to global crypto liquidity pools. Asset managers can execute trades at prices routed across liquidity sources and settle with a single counterparty. In this episode, you will learn all about how FalconX works with institutional clients to deliver the cryptocurrency industry's best point-in-time execution, what it's like to run a startup which is live 24-7, Raghu's perspective on what is next for cryptocurrency retail investors, Raghu's career and his commitment to education, and so much more. Now, let's get started. Thanks so much for coming, Raghu. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. Where are you calling in from? Calling in from San Francisco and great to be on, Gabby. Thank you. Of course. I'm so excited to hear about Falcon X. I know there's been quite a buzz in the past couple of months about your company. So do you mind getting us started with telling us what is the problem that you're trying to solve? The problem we're trying to solve specifically for institutions is without the likes of Falcon X, institutions to navigate digital assets, it's, it's very difficult in that they're going to go to a credit shop, getting a long-term loan, and it takes about a month to basically get a mid to long-term loan. And then they go to the likes of uh, the exchanges and uh, deploy the capital against the strategy on an exchange, whether it's a market neutral strategy. And then very quickly, if that strategy doesn't work on that exchange, again, they need to move all the money to somewhere else and lose a lot of balance sheet efficiency. That was the world before FalconX. And what FalconX does is it collapses all this workflow into 120 seconds. By that, what I mean is literally FalconX is a one-stop shop for institutions. And all an institution would need is come to FalconX, sign hours. They can get credit, start trading, not just against the really good reliable liquidity that FalconX has, but can potentially access other venues through FalconX as well. So what we do for institution is we collapse the three key workflows that institutions care about, which is trading, credit, and clearing in one seamless workflow in an interface that they like, whether it's white glove or whether it's APIs or whether it's web applications. That's what we do for a very diverse set of institutions. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know on your website, you had mentioned that your company uses data science to deliver the cryptocurrency industry's best point in time execution. Why does execution Mm -hmm. matter to your clients? Yeah, that's a great question, Gabby. For a lot of different personas within institutions, the pricing is one of the key things. One of the things that a lot of institutions care about, whether it's a retail aggregator or the world's largest hedge fund, they're very sensitive to price. And because they care about price, giving them really good pricing in a reliable way is what matters to a lot of institutions. Now, if you look at the problem in crypto, it's much more compounded rather than in traditional finance. For example, in traditional finance, the problem is very simple. You, I wouldn't say it's very simple, but it's much easier in that you connect to a whole lot of venues. And once you connect to a whole lot of these venues and maintain these connections, 
the ability to filter out really good pricing is just a very simple uh, algorithm, right? I mean, you monitor the pricing on all these venues and you filter the price and give it to your customer. But in crypto, the problem is a very different. Connectivity, there are 18,000 venues that buy or sell these assets. And of these 18,000 venues, uh, like, you know, let's say it's head heavy, right? I mean, 20% contribute to about 80% of the volumes. Within that 20%, maintaining the connection reliability is extremely hard, right? Some of the largest exchanges, you know, go offline. It's quite common. But the biggest problem is because of lack of global regulation, a lot of these venues can print a, a lot of fake volume. And there are a lot of market shenanigans in these liquidity pools. Now, if you ignore an exchange because there is fake volume, uh, if it produces 5 to 10% of the time the world's best price, you're missing on that price because you think there is fake volume there. So the trick is to connect very reliably with all these different venues and then use a layer of machine learning and data science heuristics to figure out what is real versus what is fake in the liquidity pool and keep adjusting and learning that as the market conditions evolve. That has proven to be a very strong way to give really good pricing to the customers, and that matters to them a lot. Gotcha. And how do your clients come to you? Like, what is the champion product that they're currently using? I saw on your website that you also offer an API. So how are institutional clients currently consuming your services? Absolutely. I'll start uh, answering that with an anecdote. Uh, This happened, Gabby, about six, seven months back. One of the world's largest hedge funds came to our website and signed up saying that the main person, the decision maker at one of the world's largest hedge fund, who is very influential in the world of finance, signed up on falconx.io. And we thought it's phishing, right? I mean, why would he come to the website and sign up in, in the sense, you know, we weren't expecting it. We thought it's a phishing attempt and we didn't respond for 24 hours. After that, what if this is real? So we responded, and lo and behold, it's actually the main decision maker at one of the world's largest hedge funds. All of that to say that we built one of the largest, most valuable institutional crypto companies in a matter of three and a half years. And for the most part, we've done that without a sales or a marketing team. Customers discover us organically. Our customers basically hear through us through other customers, primarily through word of mouth and referrals. That's been the growth story. Now, to your question, on uh, what is the champion product, why did they come, and how do they evolve with uh, the different product lines that we have. The champion product that we have is definitely the trading systems. Essentially, the job to be done for the customer here is, how do I get really good pricing in a very reliable way across the form factor that I care about? We spoke about harvesting great uh, you know, pricing through, uh, through a lot of data science. Reliability is a huge factor. The other day, you know, one of the world's largest retail aggregators, their customer wanted, you know, an altcoin because Elon Musk tweeted about it. And suddenly they, they wanted to support that altcoin. They launched the altcoin in 24 hours, the amount of volume that they hit, literally they were using another provider and a couple of other exchanges. Every single venue on the planet went down because the, reliable, the liquidity was simply not sufficient. At that point, what customers deeply care about a reliable venue that can offer liquidity when the customers need the most. And we were up all the time. And that's important. So our champion product is trading. The customers primarily come because of the pricing and the reliability of the systems. And sometimes customers also care about the white glove experience. Gabby as a venture capitalist is not going to place a $200 million Bitcoin buy order simply by clicking a few buttons on the screen. 
she wants to pick up the phone and understand the market color and you know work with a trader to think through that 100 million or 200 million dollar buy and that modality of uh, you know price consumption is very important they come in for trading they stick with us they are very profitable for the credit reasons as well so they come in with trading they use a lot of credit and clearing services the holistic interaction of the trading credit and clearing keeps the customer very engaged on the platform interesting and to my unpacking that a bit more you know mm-hmm. like you have an institutional investors but how do you onboard them like how are they already using another platform or mm-hmm. who in particular within the institution is using falconx and how are you able to get them up to speed to your product that's a great question gabby I'll break the two or three different personas because each persona has a slightly different user journey in this. So let's talk about the two big personas, right? I mean, hedge funds, right? I mean, some of the biggest hedge funds that are out there, and retail aggregators or retail brokers. So I'll define what hedge funds are. It's a very classic traditional financial hedge funds are a good representation of this persona. These customers. without falconx they usually you know the first place they typically go to is a uh, uh, popular retail exchanges once they get to a popular retail exchange they typically uh, feel that you know most of those workflows are not institutional grade specifically these hedge funds care a ton about balance sheet efficiency if they have to prefund every single trade that's not what they're used to their balance sheet is locked ahead of trading and that's uh, experience that is like you know very backwards for them the second thing is getting leverage delayed settlements and all the credit solutions on top of these trades cohesively is very important they go to retail exchange they realize that these workflows are simply not there and they also their back office in terms of clearing also would want a lot of specifics for an institution to work with a retail exchange that's uh, you know give them that is when they discover falconx and they most of the time they come organically to falconx once they come to falconx the onboarding process is like you know obviously kyc aml and a whole uh, we typically process that in 24 48 hours and after that we go through a orientation in terms of what the platform is and then they get started on trading credit and clearing i'll take a pause there to try to any questions that you have before we move to the other persona of the retail aggregators it makes a lot of sense and i think you've also done a good job at explaining how is the institutional investor different from the retail investor right and why given those specific needs falconx is best suited for their for the for the problems and challenges that they're facing you know you are co-founder of falconx and it's been a couple of years like how has it been working in this space you know what is so difficult about building a company in the crypto space It's a fascinating question. I keep learning, uh, you know, every single day about that. I'll give you a little bit of snapshot of how I got into crypto, uh, and then specifically answer your question, Gabby. I was at Google uh, before that. Some of the brightest engineers that I know from Google and you know a bunch of other Silicon Valley tech companies, they weren't stopping singing praises about blockchain. And for me, as an engineer, I have an engineering background. So as an engineer blockchain was not the most efficient database so but I I didn't fully understand blockchain is not the most efficient database and some of the brightest engineers on the planet including those who worked with Larry and Sergey are singing praises about blockchain what am i missing so I started working with them closely to understand the way they see the world and after a year of that 
I truly feel that a lot of world's value will be tokenizing in the next five, 10 years. And uh, the world's value will be tokenized in the form of the first instance of it is crypto. The second instance of it is fiat currencies, you know, tokenizing in the form of stable coins. The third instance is NFTs. And eventually, I think the tokenization trend will continue all the way up to your tokenized equities. The reason why that is extremely powerful, Gabby, is most of the modern financial infrastructure is simply not geared to serve the needs of a millennial customer base. For example, you expect your Google and Facebook to work 24-7, but most of your traditional infrastructure doesn't work on the weekends, and we are okay with it. So I think that expectation will change drastically as the wealth transfers from baby boomers to millennials. And for those reasons, I was like, the world is tokenizing fast, and I wanted to build the Google for that world. So that's how I came to start FalconX. Running a crypto company is unlike any other company that I've done before or unlike any other company that I've worked with before. First and foremost, it's 24-7. So the market is moving at an exponential pace, unlike an enterprise SaaS company, which is going to take a break at 6 p.m. in the evening. So the market cycle and evolution is just intense and it's 24-7. The beauty of it is you're being extremely efficient with time. You're learning so much more. What it takes for a normal startup to learn in two, three years, as a crypto company, you'll learn that in one year. And startups are all about learning and experimentation. So the ability to experiment your hypothesis and get an insight out of it is two, three, four times faster than any other company that I've worked before. The second thing, in the world of crypto, it's amazing to see how much data that is out there. Uh, as a product manager, I tend to be very data-driven in a lot of things that we do at FalconX. And with the power of blockchain, there's so many insights and analytics that you can tap and make decisions on, whether it's customer relationship management or whether it's finding new customers or whether it's delighting customers and seeing how we are improving on their wallet share. All these analytics like, you know, help you learn that much faster. Last but not the least, I think the growth curve in crypto has been tremendous. We're all preparing for the next billion users that are coming into crypto. And the growth, as these users come in, so does the expectations from the traditional world. So understanding the expectations of the traditional world and understanding the nuances of crypto world and bridging that gap, whether it's through regulation or whether it's through compliance or whether it's through technology, that has been a fascinating experience, Gabby. Yeah, and I, I want to just transition the conversation to a bit of that. You know, you, you sit in a very unique like place where, like you mentioned, you've gotten access to a lot of minds who are interested in this space and were early early adopters of this. But how have you seen, um, specifically from the institutional investor side, the adoption of digital assets evolving in the past five years? Absolutely. I think uh, if you take a look at Falcon X two, two and a half years back, most of our clients have crypto native. And the way I define crypto native are essentially funds that are fully focused on crypto, right? They don't do any strategies beyond digital assets. Now, that was 80% of our world two, two and a half years back. Fast forward now, more than 50% are traditional financial institutions. Now, why are these traditional institutions coming in? The biggest reasons, the first reason they typically uh, enter the space is because they see Bitcoin and Ethereum as an inflationary hedge. As the world is printing a lot of money, for the right reasons, of course, as the world is printing a lot of money, institutional investors specifically are gravitating towards the inflationary hedge mechanisms. That was typically your goals of the world. 
But gold, it's a very good proven inflationary hedge, but there are a lot of gaps with regards to owning gold as an institution, whether it's the fungibility, whether it's the truly global part of it, whether it's the elasticity over the weekends. So for a whole variety of reasons, gold is not cutting the needs of what modern traditional financial institutions want. So Bitcoin and Ethereum, especially after Paul Tudor Jones and Stanley Druckenmiller showcased their thesis, a lot of institutions started coming into these assets as inflationary hedge. Once they come in as an inflationary hedge, after five or six months, we see this like clockwork, Gabby. After five or six months, they're all like, in a market that's moving 24-7, why am I trading only traditional market hours, which is like 40 hours a week? My balance sheet is sitting idle. I can rotate that balance sheet you know, 24-7. I'm losing a lot of efficiency. And why am I not doing it? Oftentimes, the reason is banks don't work over the weekends and over the nights. I was like, guys, I mean, how do we overcome that? And the leap they take is typically through stable coins. Stable coins are a representation of fiat on blockchain, as simple as that. It's one is to one pegs to, let's say, your US dollar. So they start getting into US stable coins and they immediately increase their balance sheet efficiency to 24-7 and that's very powerful. The minute they see that, they are very curious about how these stable coins work. That's how they get into the Ethereum's of the world and all the underlying technology that powers these uh, stable coins. One very important stat on that, Gabby, on an average, all our customers since beginning of time, at this point, they're using, they're dipping their toes with eight other tokens other than Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I haven't seen that in the history of the company. Most of the time, it was concentrated on Bitcoin and Ethereum. Now they are diversifying beyond Bitcoin and Ethereum. And that's a welcome sign. That's super interesting. And I'm also curious, just a side question from my own interest. I work on trading software as well. And issues that we faced were taking on loads when markets were very volatile and thinking about reliability. So how is it that you guys have prepared over the years to take on, you know, like you mentioned, these large hedge funds, which in a moment's time, given the way the market is moving, could potentially all climb onto your platform. How has that evolution looked like within your company and building up reliable services that would suit these folks' needs? It's a great question, Gabby. I think uh, that is a question that uh, crypto as an industry is grappling. When a hedge fund comes in with, I want to buy half a billion dollars of digital assets at Saturday at 5 a.m. in the morning when the liquidity isn't high, um, you know, crypto traditionally in 2017, 2018, definitely crypto wasn't ready. But now, I think whether it's Falcon X or players uh, like us, I think we're definitely on the forefront of uh, the reliability in terms of making sure liquidity is there. The way we do it, I'd break it into three segments, Gabby. First and foremost, there is predictive intelligence in terms of how the volatility situations, how volatility in the, the reliability of these different platforms is evolving with, uh, with time. For example, the most important thing to understand is as we are connected to all these different venues, we have a very clear signal if there is a very strong liquidity crunch in some part of the world in some venue. And that gives us a leading signal that something is coming so that we need to basically beef up our operational systems, our trading infrastructure, our credit systems. So oftentimes we have, in terms of signaling and tooling, some of the finest in the world in terms of understanding where the market is about to go because we're simply connected to a lot of these venues at massive scale. So the first bucket is predictive intelligence. The second thing is when the storm, quote unquote, the storm hits, 
we want to make sure that all our inventory at all these different venues and all the credit levels at these different venues are completely topped up so that we can extract the liquidity in the venue that our customers deeply care about. So the predictive signal helps us to actually prepare really well into tapping these venues. And then over in Bucket, we realized that no matter how great a venue is, if the liquidity crunch is massive, it's bound to fail. So we never, ever rely on one or two liquidity venues. On an average, we have a backup of four to five liquidity providers that are willing to basically offer depths up to $100, $200 billion at a time. So the redundancy and the connectivity is bucket number two. Number three, it's the learning. Every single time we see this massive liquidity crunch, we go through a, you know, sometimes it's a very painful exercise. What could we have done? With the half a billion dollars worth of, I want to buy digital assets within the next one, two, three hours. If you disappoint them, you're not just missing a trade on behalf of Falconex, you're disappointing them to welcome into the world of digital assets. In terms of why reliability matters, not just to Falconex and also to the broader ecosystem, when the world's largest hedge fund comes in and they say that we want to buy half a billion dollars worth of digital assets, and if the liquidity is simply not available, they think twice about whether digital assets are ready for institution of their size. So it is extremely important to make sure that the reliable liquidity with really good market surveillance is available as an industry to welcome the next billion users that are coming into crypto. Super interesting. And how do you see that changing in the next three to five years? You know, like you mentioned a few problems that still have to be solved or your you and like the other platforms in this space are trying to tackle but how do you see your like users needs changing and what needs yeah. to happen to make those needs successfully met that's an excellent question gabby i think one of the big things that we found out in the last six months and the data on this is very very clear the next billion users are coming into crypto as these next billion users come into the ecosystem they're not going to go just to like you know the the crypto retail exchanges and try to onboard into digital assets because these are not early adopters. Oftentimes they don't know those brands. So the next billion users, whether it's retail or institutions, are going to go to their favorite fintech app or the uh, the broker of their choice and expect crypto to be there. And we're seeing that massive trend. So our goal as an industry and specifically as Falcon X over the next one or two years is to make sure that every institution that is seeing digital asset demand from their customer base is equipped to basically process crypto digital assets in a reliable way. For example, if you look at one of the most popular, you know, traditional brokerage, they started offering crypto. They, they wanted to plan offering crypto around the 2014, 2015 time. It took them five years to basically start offering some of the more uh, demanded crypto services. And customers are not going to wait five years. The goal of FalconX is literally as one single company we can make a digital asset brokerage or a fintech app crypto ready within a matter of a week, all through our APIs. And that is very important as a company and also for the ecosystem to welcome the next billion users. And that's something that we're excited about. That's awesome. And I know we have to transition or we don't have too much time, but I did want to elephant in the room. You've secured mm-hmm. funding and you're now valued at $3.75 billion dollars. How does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's exciting, Gabby. To be honest, it's exciting. And also, it feels like a lot of responsibility as well. The world decided to concentrate 
those resources with us. And what we do with that is a chapter that's to be told. We're really excited in terms of how we can create a dent in the universe. I genuinely believe that if this lasts, if done well, they're going to be welcoming the 5 billion people on the planet that don't have access to you know, financial infrastructure. And uh, hopefully this funding, uh, whether it's to FalconX and to our counterparts in the ecosystem, is good for us to lay the foundation to welcome the next 5 billion people into the financial system. Yeah, and I think one thing that I've also wanted to point out is the experience since your last funding, of course, lots of folks believing in you, lots of money on the table that says this is the vision for the future, but you've also been able to grow your team quite a bit. And I'm curious, as a co-founder, you had the opportunity to look for talent from the very beginning. And what is it that you're looking for when you're evaluating someone to not only be a great employee and a great contributor, but also someone who's going to be successful in this type of crypto space, right? It's very yeah. different from the rest of fintech. What are some qualities that you evaluate? Absolutely. The first and foremost, a lot of people hesitate. They're excited about this assets. They hear about crypto. They see that mega trend but they hesitate to jump into the space because they're like, I don't know too much about crypto. Am I ready for crypto? I think the first thing that we notice is you don't need to, crypto is in the very early stages, even today. And what that means is you don't need to understand everything that there is about digital assets or crypto to basically jump into the space, right? I mean, it is very important to have that excitement and to have that the zeal towards crypto and once you have that, I think the, the learning aspect of it is relatively fast if you join a high growth company. So not having enough knowledge in crypto should never be a barrier to jump into a megatrend. That has been true, whether it's the early days of the internet or the early days of social networks. So crypto is very similar. So the gap shouldn't bother you because you can learn very, very fast with a high growth company. So that is one thing that we look for, right? I mean, are people genuinely excited about crypto, even if they don't have the full subject matter expertise just yet. That is number one. Number two, crypto is a very deep experience about learning. You're going to learn so much about you. You're going to learn so much about the financial infrastructure. You're going to learn so much about the people and the psychology and the game theory there. So I think the second thing that we look for is like, is there a very deep motivation and interest for learning? new things. And there, if, is there a deep intellectual curiosity there? If there is deep intellectual curiosity, you're going to have so much fun in crypto. So that's the second thing that we look for. The third thing, it's very important. It's important to have high-functioning individuals, but the stage at which crypto is, it's about high-functioning teams. So are you able to work really well with teams, whether it's for learning or whether it's for experimentation or whether it's for creating outcomes? The ability to play well with the team is extremely important for us. So these are the three things that we look for. First and foremost, the passion. The second thing, the ability to learn things and intellectual curiosity. The third thing is, obviously, are you a good team player? And you mentioned teams. How would you describe the company culture at Falcon X? It's evolving, right? I mean, the way I think of company culture is not just within the cohort of crypto companies, but we are one of the fastest moving companies in the world. Being fortunate to run some of the biggest teams in uh, some of the biggest companies out there. And the team that we have here is the best team that I've ever had the privilege to run. 
And that's because we move faster than most other companies that's out there. So the culture is speed with purpose, right? It's not just revving the engine just for the sake of revving the engine. Three and a half years, we built one of the most valuable institutional crypto companies in the world without sales marketing. And that's because people move incredibly fast. So speed with purpose. The second thing that we look for is like the ability to move really well as a team. That humbleness and the humility, that is extremely important for you to learn and for you to lower the defense shields and actually work really well with people. Me more than anyone else in the company is wrong, you know, most of the time because I tend to experiment a lot. And that's what the role expects me to do. And what that means is if I have this big ego of like co-founder, CEO, I should always be right. I mean, we can't move and innovate at the pace at which the company needs. And that I really learned from so many people that we hired that operate without egos and they're willing to learn very fast. So that's the second one, which is like the ability to play well with team without much ego. The third thing is like this hunger to create a dent in the universe, Gabby. That is something we, we think of stress in the company as healthy stress and negative stress. Healthy stress, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to be moving this mountain in the next 12 hours and this has never been done before in the world. And that to us is healthy stress. And we do go through that healthy stress. Negative stress is my manager doesn't get me. People don't appreciate the work. I generally think the negative stress is very, very low in the company. And that is because the passion is just tremendous. Most people here are like trying to move mountains and they're excited to simply move a mountain and learn from that experience. So those are the three things that I would say are the hallmarks of uh, FalconX. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. And you know, I, I'd like to spend the last few minutes just talking a bit more about you. I mean, you know, as an individual, you've worked at, like you mentioned, so many great companies and leading huge initiatives. What are, what are some things that as a co-founder, like you've been able to like bring on to this startup and how has it been pivoting to building something out of nothing? That's a great question, Gabby. I think first and foremost, the biggest insight I could transplant from my previous experience to crypto, and that really resonated well with the crypto world as well, is speed is the only constant, especially in an asset class that is emerging. Most of the thesis that you come to start with are going to change and evolve. So it's not just predicting where the puck is going to be. It's also evolving on how the game is being played. So in this constant flux, the only thing that matters is like the speed of experimentation, the speed with purpose is very important. So the one big insight that I was able to transplant and fortunately it worked really well for us so far is the speed. I think that was the one big thing. The second thing is in terms of the power of tokenization, a big learning that I had is a lot of modern financial uh, infrastructure. It's working. I mean, there are a lot of safeguards. It's it's working. It, gets the job done somewhat, but there are massive gaps in terms of what the infrastructure the world needs for going for the next few decades. That is a gap I'm very, very surprised that hasn't been filled in the last 10 years. And crypto is one of the best alternatives to basically fulfill that gap. And that excitement is also <laughs> what we are able to bring into the company in terms of reshaping the modern financial infrastructure, not just to serve the people who are currently accessing it, but welcoming the next four to five billion people. And that that, that excitement fuels uh, a lot of our work here at FalconX. Yes, and I can hear it in your voice too. So that's fantastic. You know, I also wanted to bring up Serata Educational Institutions, like mm-hmm. a completely different. Like, 
actually completely different from what you're working on. <laughs> I know it's not a nine to five because we're talking about <laughs> crypto here. Um, yeah. But do you mind just sharing a bit more about like, you know, what you do outside of Falcon X and, you know, why this initiative in particular is important for you? Absolutely. My mother is a teacher and all my life I've been fascinated about just teaching and learning. I think I'm on standing on the shoulders of so many amazing people, so many amazing institutions that shape the experience of what I have today. And for the most part, Gabby, I think some of us have the privilege to access that uh, infrastructure, but most of the world doesn't have access to that. So I want to do my part in terms of paying it forward. And uh, there are a lot of ways to pay it forward, but the one part that I feel deeply passionate about is through education. Until I finished engineering, I didn't fully understand what engineering is. And that shouldn't be the case, right, for anyone, irrespective of whatever vocation that you want to choose. The ability to give access to that well-rounded education, not just scoring, you know, amazingly well in a competitive exam, but that well-rounded education is what is going to define the next few decades of professional careers for a lot of people. And I want to make sure that that well-rounded education is accessible in the very early rungs of education, you know, pretty much everywhere in the world. So to expand that mission, the two components of it, like, you know, what's the right technology that enables well-rounded education and actually experimenting and proving and refining that technology. So what started as a technology to build that well-rounded education, we wanted to experiment with our tools and techniques and processes to create that well-rounded education, like, you know, as an experiment, like, you know, with 500 students, but that experiment has gone so well. Now it's about, you know, 4,000 students. So I'm deeply excited about uh, where Sarada Educational Institutions is uh, going. And for me, it's always amazing to see you know, the next generation learning and their excitement and the way they see the world. And by the way, those are my future crypto customers as well. So it works both ways. <laughs> uh, you're, you're humble in that you literally did not say I've launched schools in like other countries. So that's awesome. And it's, it's also so great to hear about, you know, how you're thinking about innovation in those matters. No, we're running out of time here, but we can't leave without our fun question for this podcast. So thank you again for being so gracious with your time. But I want to ask you before you leave, what is one of your bucket list items? <laughs> well, that is a fun question indeed. I genuinely think I'm sitting here and doing all the cool things uh, because a lot of other amazing people, one of which is, you know, my wife as well. So I felt that if I were to have a bucket list item, it should be together along with my wife, right? I mean, this is a team and we're doing this together. And one of the bucket list items for both of us is a promise in 2010, when Mars was not very cool uh, at that time, that in this lifetime, my wife and I would go to another planet. So from 2010 onwards, our most of our mission in life has been the journey towards Mars. So that's my bucket list item along with my wife's. I love that. Super badass. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you go. I know you have quite a busy day um, ahead of you. So really appreciate your time. And it was truly a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Gabby. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech Podcast. If you love our show, please write us a review or engage with us on social media. 
We greatly appreciate your support and helps us spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Medium at Warren Fintech. Here you'll access interviews, articles, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. As always, a very special thank you to our wonderful editor, Rafael Ostria. Until next time, your host, Gabby.